Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, a man who gets all the buttons taken off of his vest. <laughs> I uh, I've removed all my buttoned vests. Just removed the buttons. I mean, I've made them into unbuttonable well, pre- vests. Pre- 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 er, uh, um, what is it? Uh, Pre-em- preemptively. Preemptively, I have yeah. done so. Yeah, because you. You I mean you are a, you are a spy? Well, I've done so a, to overthrow. To overthrow the bourgeois uh, button industry, uh, on my own on my own terms. No, Pat, I mean that makes sense too. Pat, actually, I I, I got to say, I think I might have been subtly inspired by uh, by this film set and uh, watching this this week. Even though even though what I'm about to recount happened before I watched either of these movies. Uh, okay. Last weekend, my improvisational Dada rock band and a local platypus. Uh, which I'm sure I've mentioned on the podcast before, but involves uh, I, yes. improv, improv rock music over which I talk or sing or or do some other performance. Uh, we played at a presidential campaign rally for Vermin Supreme. Now, Vermin Supreme, if you don't know, please look him up. Uh, you've if you're even partially into American politics, you may have seen a picture of him at least. He is a man with a beard, I mean, a beard have you down seen a to his mid. Man with a boot, huh? On his head. I mean, you've he seen he has a black boot on his head. Uh, he is a performance artist uh, and uh, um, activist, and he has run in the primary for every major party over the course of the last uh, twenty years or so, and this year. Uh, he happens to be running for the uh, the Libertarian Party primary, which means, on a technicality, I uh, I took the stage at a Libertarian Party event and uh, sang about collectivism, universal health care, and uh, taxing the rich and then using them for fertilizer. So I think I win this. I week. mean, it seems. I mean, that's pretty. Re- it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like literally in his bio. Are quotes of him saying, "Well, I identify best now with libertarianism, which is terrifying." Because <laughs> I I stand by the 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 quote that I read the other day, which is, "Like anybody who uh, self identifies as a libertarian ought to be on a watch list somewhere." Uh, I'm sure Vermin Supreme is on a watch list, uh, but uh, I'm not sure anyone takes those watch lists seriously. Nah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was right after that that. That one very very weird tweet went out about the guy saying that like to the effect of if if, if about climate yeah. politics slash you know basically trying to do the thing that you the internet has apparently become for which is trying to weirdly whitewash pedophilia yeah it's yeah. real it's a real weird turn for the internet that I'm not a big fan of yeah because the other day I also had to look up that term I don't even I've lost I've lost the term. But apparently there is a is a term that I guess pedophiles who are trying to whitewash themselves are trying to get going, uh, where they can like they can self identify as like as though it is like a, just a normal sexual orientation that people have. I'll find, I will probably find it over the break between this and the next episode because like that's all right. It's upsetting. It's deeply oh, upsetting, sure. and I want you to know it because, because you it's know about it. sharing. So, yeah. Terrible things makes me feel better about myself. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know why. It's definitely if I curse you with that knowledge, maybe I've split that's it. Why Twitter's a website, and I don't. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's right. Like if I can share the pain, yeah. perhaps maybe it offloads some of it for me. Yeah. 
Pat, before we get into this week's movies, I do want to plug our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. If uh, you want to keep us going, help us uh, stay at this course through the bitter end. Uh, we're, uh, this should be spine number, I think, 369, thereabouts, uh, which means we now have, I mean, we now have yeah. enough episodes uploaded that you could listen to one a day for an entire year, if that's a thing that you wanted to do. Uh, I suggest you do I mean, it, Pat. Kind of, yeah, maybe. I mean, well, I mean, you have to get them the hard way because we still haven't finished the movie. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. But you have to go and download down the manually from the website. About 100 of them manually from the website right now. Oh, boy, but, that's rough. Uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> patreon.com slash lost in criterion. Uh, for just a dollar a month, you can keep us going, but you also get access to a bonus episode. Uh, I put up a little yeah, poll over there based on usually one of the movies we watched recently on the main podcast. Uh, the most Based is in really heavy quotes yeah. doing a lot of yeah, work. Yeah, in fact, the uh, the most recent poll uh, is based on every movie we mentioned in a discussion about a different movie in one of the, uh, one of the Monsters and Mad Men box set movies. <laughs> um, we just happened to, to name a bunch of movies that it vaguely reminded of us, us of, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that just that's the poll I made just every movie we listed there um but but yeah i sometimes over there it uh we end up watching really great movies uh something like uh uh Molly's uh, God's Country documentary is a phenomenal film um we've watched uh Failsafe which actually it looks like maybe uh maybe might be about to be announced i i caught one of uh one of criteria weird one to me. Criterion. I mean, I pre-announcement. Criterion puts out a little like cryptogram yeah. puzzles to guess, and this one was a, literally a safe with an F on the side. Ah, uh, see, but that's the thing, right? Like that that assumption that's dangerous, right? I bet it's gonna be something wild. We've also watched some pretty uh, terrible movies over there, uh, like uh, what 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 terrible I mean, movies should we mention? There's been a lot. Week? There's been. Um, Critters Two, which is Critters Critters Two, is a classic, and I am offended I, that you brought I, that I up do, in a terrible I do movie. like it, but it is classic for being ridiculous. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's um, not, it is. It's it is movie. one of my favorite ridiculous movies, but it yeah. is still a classic for that reason. Um, right. There's always, um, I mean, I can't remember the. I blocked most of them out. I <laughs> That's mean, good. there's that That's one. Good. With Will Monster Ferrell Squad. It. Oh yeah, Will Ferrell's kicking and screaming is probably the worst movie I've ever seen. Period. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's painful. Um, it, it causes. It actually probably comes with some sort of Surgeon General's warning on it. Yeah, I presume somewhere in the middle between uh, God's Country and uh, Kicking and Screaming, somewhere in the <laughs> yeah. middle. I'm, where is, is this going? I'm so is Kazam and Kazam the 1996. Shaq starring children's movie where he plays a genie is on every list, no matter what the list is. So if you yeah. want to make us watch Kazam every month, patreon.com slash lost criterion, yeah. just one dollar. And you, you can, can uh, you can get in on that. We don't have that many patrons patrons, so like you and like three friends could make that happen. Oh yeah, definitely. You three dollars a month split between you and three friends, two friends. Yeah. Could, you could could ensure you could turn it into that we slowly lose our fucking minds. <laughs> a monthly Kazam podcast. You could you um, could literally like you could brainwash us into Kazam fans. 
to the point oh, where probably. we ended up being so obsessed with it that we started a Kazam podcast or something. I don't know. The Kazam cast. I mean, it just it writes itself, frankly. Um, no thinking required. Kazam cast, right? I mean, and it would have just... to be called the 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 pod shaxed. What? Can I put Shaq into the middle of podcast why? and why make that would work? We, why would we not go with Kazamcast? I don't because you have to put the word Shaq into everything related to Shaq from the nineties, Pat. Oh right. Well, by <laughs> just a really long lead-in title. It's like uh, <laughs> by the transitive property, Shaq presents the Kazamcast. <laughs> by the transitive property, yes. Uh <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, for a little extra over there, for $5 a month, we'd like to thank the people at that level uh, and above on air. So thank you to Adam Speakerman for your continued $5 support. Absolutely. A thank little you. bit above that, $10, we do something that I think is really great. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and write a personalized note to you uh, and mail that off. So The greatest can... one is coming this month. <laughs> it's I'm, happening. I'm... Very I cannot soon. wait to see this. I, I have, cannot wait. I have I'm heard so about excited. the planning for this month, and I'm We've so happy. We've talked about it for a month. Yeah. We have talked about we it have, actually. since we cooked up the idea. I'm so yeah, excited. He's been planning it for a while. I'm very happy about it and very, very, very much interested. It's the easiest it. one I've ever done. It's going to take me 15 minutes. I, I haven't even started because <laughs> it's going to take me all 15 minutes to make. It's, but it Excellent. will be the best one we've ever released. Excellent. Uh, anyway, that level and above, $10 and above, uh, you get a postcard and you get thanked on air. And thank you to our $10 and above supporters, Jason Westhaver and Michael McGrath, who have both been at it for quite some time. And we're very grateful to have you guys. Yeah, nice. we are. Absolutely. Patreon.com slash Lost on Criterion if you want to get in on that. This week, we are finishing up the uh, Pulse... The... I almost said Paul Sanders again. I haven't done that in a month. Yeah. I well, what was what was the mistake you kept making last time? I kept I don't know. No, it wasn't it was it wasn't Paul Sanders. You we just I think No, last it? time really was. I kept referring to Paul Robeson as Sanders, which is Oh right, yeah, that that's right. That is right. That is right. Yeah. yeah. It was really so this, enjoyable. So this week we are finishing up the Paul Robeson Portraits of the Artist box set with disc 4. Citizen of the World. Uh, yeah, each of are. these has included two films, at least, and some other documentary material around them. And this month, or this week, rather, we get The Proud Valley and Native Land. The yep. Proud Valley is a 1940 Ealing Studios production uh, where Paul Robeson plays an African-American who has come into Wales... Uh, and gotten a job in a Welsh coal mine uh, that is uh, going through some uh, labor disputes, uh, yeah, but also uh, but also some pretty pretty terrible disasters. Uh, whereas Native Land is an American documentary made in 1942 or put out in 1942 at least. It was planned for at least five years prior. Uh, where uh, it is rather explicitly about the American labor movement and about corporations pushing back against the American labor movement, often violently, uh, and explores a specific uh, Senate inquiry and uh, 
incidents uncovered by that Senate inquiry about violence against uh, labor and labor organizers in the United States. Uh, both are very interesting films for their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both films, incidentally enough, uh, had very late introduction, if not post-production, changes applied to them when the war broke out. Uh, because oh, yeah. uh, unity, surprising. Yeah. unity was suddenly more important than uh, appearing to uh, tear down corporate interests and industrial interests. Uh, with the Proud Valley, that is the postscript. Um, actually, it's the entire... It's the entire... It it's the really end of changes. the movie, really. It changes, I mean, it's just yeah, the, the last reel, mostly. I mean, I don't I don't yeah. know if that if they changed all that. Like, I don't know for a fact because I didn't look it up, but, like, yeah. it reads like that because, man, it takes a... It takes a, a hell of a sharp turn on that, on that last right. reel. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, the bosses aren't so bad. Let's right. uh, let's all work together. High five, right. dudes! And then they freeze frame, eighty style. Um, <laughs> basically, basically, it was way above ahead of its time for that. Yeah, right? Uh, it's like really pretty cool, actually. Uh, like, can I express something really like just right off the right off yeah. the top here? I don't understand Proud Valley or yeah, Proud Valley because it seems to me like a very okay. Like, correct me if I'm wrong here. The labor movement is angry because the mine was shut down because it's clearly an unsafe death trap. But they <laughs> yes, don't but have all jobs. coal mines are unsafe death traps. Well, I mean, you all know my, that. Yeah, I understand. But this one you, is you come out of you come out of that part of Kentucky. You know, I I, I am aware of this. I have family yeah. members who who have died in mines. It's, it is a thing. Um, or they, I mean, not while I was alive, but you know, family members in the Indeed. past. Um, but like, and still is one of the one of the most dangerous jobs in America. Right. Um, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. My point is, is that most of the time, the problem labor and coal mines has is that the is that they don't do that. Now I right. understand they're not supporting them. So really, where this should have gone, right? And I guess the final reel could have been this was, if you're going to have this shut down, you have an obligation to support us until. Yeah, such time as we can open it again, the, which is reasonable. But like, the, sorry, go ahead. The original ending of Proud Valley is that uh, the labor, uh, the union, the workers themselves occupy the mine, seize the means of production, and that's awesome. Uh, that's perfect. Yeah. I like that. That's fine. Yeah. But then that that because they turned it into wages of fear light, right? Uh, my problem is is that like. From a from a labor perspective, it just makes no sense. Yeah. Because, like, oh, please, well, boss, sir, let us go in here and sacrifice right, our lives right. so that you can make some fucking dough. Right. Like, right. Because you know, like, you're, they're not seizing the means of production in in the 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 new cut. They're right. just opening it up. They're just risking their lives so that their bosses can still make exorbitant amounts of money off no. of a war effort, and then they can make pennies off of said war effort. It's weird. It's just a weird ending. In the final cut, they're making a very similar argument to Metropolis in that the the you know, the head management is the head and the workers are the heart and they need to work together is is like ultimately the, the message of Metropolis and one of my major problems with Metropolis, honestly. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I get but, it. <laughs> uh, but uh 
which I, I think we'll eventually watch. But I'm uh, pretty sure we do. It's way down the line, though, isn't yeah. it? It's, I have no idea where it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, the... I know there's there's an aspect of this that is me and you not being laborers, right? And And part of it is there should be something else these guys can do. But the mining is all they know and no, what no, their local I, economy I, that, is yeah, based I, on. So No, I mean I get I get why what happens happens. But like as far as um Robeson's stated goals are concerned, this movie does not accomplish those because of that difference. You know what I'm saying? Like from a from a purely like goal oriented perspective, this doesn't do what it needs to do if that makes yeah. sense like i mean like I, I i i totally understand like the idea of like this is the labor you know how to do you need to do it like so the the your job has to be open right, right. but like the idea that it's the responsibility of the workers to make that happen with no special compensation or anything like right. that is right. absurd it's patently right. absurd like please sir let us go into the mine and risk our lives so that we can prove that this mine is profitable. Right. So <laughs> that you can make oodles of money and we can yeah. barely eke out a living. Right. Thanks. Like, it's a very, very weird perspective. And, yeah. like, it's just not – it doesn't match his stated goals. And so, like, I'm not and upset it, per se. It's just, like, it's really a weird movie that way. It makes the corporation paternalistic in an absurd way. Right, like, exactly. Well, yeah, like, the worst kind of parent, right? Because, like, right. like just yeah, I'm going to throw my children at this meat grinder until we get, until we well, get, start making some, some no, sweet cash. No, I mean, the, the way this plays out is there's one major accident, and the the corporate overlords say, nope, for your yeah, own yeah, good, we're going to shut it down. And right. then they've I mean, got to go, then again, like, the go movie to the national. To that it's super dangerous, too. <laughs> like, got, the movie does they, go out of its way to prove to us, yeah, they right. definitely should have shut this shit down. This is horrible. Because after that, they end up, the, the miners themselves go to a government official to say, no, it's, we're going to open it up and there's so much coal down there and it'll be great. And one of the officials says, okay, I'll go with you. And then he dies. Yeah, like he's violently. Like, yeah, it's horrible. Actually, I kind of like that. Maybe we're going at it from the wrong angle. Maybe this is straight up some horror movie shit, right? Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like he's he's being punished somehow. Like he did something. Like being being a servant of the of the of the capitalist class is punishable by death. Oh yeah, I mean he certainly in this, he, in this version. Almost, yeah, I like it, almost though, no doubt that guy deserved that. deserved. Oh his, yeah, no, but I was just, if we take it from death. that angle. That does change things slightly for us because he's he's probably he's made decisions that have sent miners all over the country into terrible death situations. So. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. But this is yeah, no, it's just like it's just a weird thing, like because like I mean yeah. I get it, but like if the mines, you know, we we can go around on, in circles on this forever, right? But like I don't have anything. There's nothing wrong with saying like this is the thing I know how to do, make it possible for me to do it again. Um, yeah. But then again, we get into conversations about the way America has handled its own coal miners, which is like we could we could spend money retraining people to have new jobs that don't involve coal. Instead, we're just going to make weird, empty promises to them and then let them die. Right. 
Like that's yeah, just also, how we're going to handle this. We're also you dealing know? with a time where there was no alternative to coal fuel. Like no, no, yeah, that's absolutely true. And I mean, I I get that. I mean, one hundred percent. I'm saying that like, if they live in a town that the only industry is coal mining, which they do. Uh, then, like, society itself has an obligation to figure yeah. that shit out, not them. So, uh, we've talked about this in the in the Robeson uh, stuff already. I want to suggest that, that this is not anti-management propaganda, but pro-minor propaganda in the sort of uh, uh, uplift suasion argument. This is This is meant to say... No, you should respect the miners because the miners are universally brave men who put their lives on the line willingly for the sake of the country. Yeah, I mean, I could see. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's Which definitely something they're going for. Is not dishonest. Uh, I mean, these guys are, but they're also, you know, they're not putting their lives on the line willingly so much as this is the only job. Yeah, I mean, it, the reality of the matter is, is capitalism by its nature is coercion, right? Like, it just right. is. And <laughs> right. so right. You, you, you have no choice. Like, I, I don't remember what the Marx quote is along those lines, but, like, there's it is very much basically yeah. the effect of, like, that's what capitalism is. It's, right. it's a, it's a death threat, essentially. You don't actually like, have a choice in it. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. not, you, can't, you can't not be in it uh, right. so long as it's dominant, right? You have um, to sell your labor for pittance in order to have uh food and a yeah roof. exactly uh-huh. yeah. and and so i mean that's always going to be at the heart of what you know right. this is and and yeah. and making the argument that yeah i mean like legitimately at this time in this time period you need coal i mean that's right. literally all you have so it's not unreasonable to put the people who get that thing for you at the risk of death in a position of high right. esteem but that high esteem should be also accompanied by, I don't know, ownership of the thing that they're getting right. out. Actual compensation on yeah. a level that reflects the amount of risk. Right, the amount taking. of danger they're put in instead yeah. of what happens, which is paying them yeah. basically nothing for that labor. And that's and that's what a movie like Hazard County USA is actually about, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's how, that's where our sympathies lie with with the miners in that movie. Whereas the miners in this movie, they're not going on strike. They're not challenging the da- dangerous situation they're in. They're embracing the dangerous situation they're in because they're gung-ho heroes who uh, will do what they need to do to survive, even if that means singing for pennies in the street, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, and, and I mean, and I get, I get why the movie is what it is. It, it, I, yeah. I totally understand it. It doesn't. It doesn't make me any happier. <laughs> like right. you know what I mean. Like right. I can't. I was not expecting that because the lead up hype to it for me, in like I guess our discussions or what I read before was this in Robeson's career. <laughs> yeah, it was very much like a pro. Like was like given given its time period, and, and I think in some of those documentaries we watched, it was like, oh yeah, this is like. Where it really starts getting intensely pro labor, like you know, um, yeah. anti-capitalist uh, oriented, and then this is right. not, you know, it's so not that. <laughs> so the original, the original through line of the film would have been that 
miners deserve respect and deserve compensation because they are willing to put their lives on the line for something we know we need, coal at the time. And therefore, it is a good, in the end of the original, it it is a justifiable good, certifiable good, that they seize the mine. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that that right. all checks out. That is a good movie that I, I right. really, really, really wish we had watched. And that original ending would have, in the words of uh, film critic Matthew Sweet, uh, made this the most uncompromisingly Marxist picture ever produced in Anglophone cinema. Absolutely. That, and that would be amazing. Had we watched right. that, I would have... I would have just died. I think I would have just been like, I guess we got to stop the podcast, Adam. I mean, <laughs> right? We're just we've done. done it. Like we did, yeah. we did what we we got what we wanted. Like, yeah, the only movie that we can like that our weird our weird <laughs> Marxist interpretation does is is so wholly appropriate that we can't talk. Like we're like, well, right? right. I mean, just watch, watch the, the movie. movie we're guys. done. Uh, All we the shortest need. podcast ever. Five right. seconds. You right. should just watch the movie. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> right right and it was again it was outside pressure uh beginning in i think september 39 that forced uh forced the producer um uh, michael balkin and the director penn tennyson to uh to recut that film to make it more jingoistic more patriotic but jingoism more than patriotism here honestly um in which everybody comes together for the war effort, right? Yeah. Um, our other movie, Native Land, uh, for a while, though it's lost to time, I believe, uh, until Scorsese gets uh, finds that I mean, know, closet yeah, somewhere well, or on I a bus or whatever. he'll retroactively fix this or, podcast or, episode, or, too. Right. So we won't or, have to worry about it. Scorsese finds it on a bus in a closet or... <laughs> I like this. I like this version of reality where there's yeah. closets on buses right. that he just is hunting through wildly, or the or the, or the buses in a closet, or yeah. you know, oh, yeah, there's a lot of closet bus combinations that could really work yeah. out. <laughs> anyway, um, Native Land had Robeson himself on camera delivering a postscript uh, about uh, about the importance of fighting Nazis and setting mm-hmm. things apart in order to, uh, or setting things aside in order to face the greater, the greater pressure. Uh, the, the full quote from Robeson's narration in the end, um, and he is on camera presenting this. The end is our beginning. Today, as never before, we must stand up for our rights as Americans. Together with the peoples of the world, we are fighting the greatest enemy of our liberty, the Hitler Axis. This scourge of mankind must be destroyed. We Americans have had to fight for our liberty in every generation. Native land shows this struggle in our own times, a great and intense conflict. There were many casualties, many wrongs, yet America labor and the American nation are stronger for having passed through the fire. Labor is producing for victory. So he still he still manages a pro labor even yeah. as yeah. Even as I mean, he tries that, that to soften hard, the because, blow like, a little bit. As he bit. mentioned in the... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but, like, he mentions that in that interview right. with him. Is that, like, you know, the the Communist Party of America and, and, and the world in general 
turned pretty well on a dime. Right. When you know, when the fascists start taking over, you you know, there 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 is a an understanding that there is right. a an obligation to do that first. Yeah. Before you uh worry about overthrowing capital. Right. Right, whether right, that's right. true or not, I mean, like whether or not that is true or not, that is just the way it works, right? Yeah, it is. It is a fascism is a more dominant threat uh, right, exactly, than yeah. than the petty uh, centrism of the status quo, right? Fascism I is mean, purposely yeah. pulling the status quo toward further toward the right and making that fight harder in the long right. run. I mean, so, arguably, it exists because of the same, uh, right. because of it, right? I mean, right. Like, it's not hard to make a through line or an argument that that the current status quo and specifically the presence of capital makes um, fascism, the rise of fascism, inevitable, right? Like, right. I mean, it, 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 by its nature, needs that to exist because... Um, Otherwise, there is no antithesis to the presence of, you know, labor, right? Like, it's sort of an argument that can be pretty easily made. Right. That being said, fascists are super dangerous, and they will straight up kill you. Right. So, uh, I mean, I don't think they made a bad choice. I'm just saying. Uh, it is also easy to read the world as, oh, yeah, you guys also made this happen, basically. You guys yeah. created this phenomenon. So last week's episode, we talked about Sanders of the River and Jericho and how uh, with Sanders of the River, Robeson felt sort of tricked because of post-production editing. And and because of that, uh, declared uh, more artistic uh, freedom and uh, demanded more artistic freedom and and final say uh, in uh, in Jericho. Uh, Native land exists for a similar reason uh in a couple years before native land came out uh cecil b demille put out a film called land of liberty which was constructed from excerpts of 125 hollywood films that put a very status quo view on american history through American film. Okay. Including Robeson's performance in Showboat. But whereas mm-hmm. Showboat takes place in 1890, uh, in a post-Reconstruction era, or you know, really Reconstruction era, that's, at that point, you know, we're starting to get the pushback that, that really tore that around. Um, in DeMille's version... Robeson's performance is moved to the early 1800s. So Robeson's character is suddenly a happy slave instead of a worker, a free laborer, uh, singing about working on the Mississippi. Uh, Which they obviously did not get Robeson's permission for, but also they didn't need it, right? You know. Uh, so he saw that and was not incredibly happy about it, understandably. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Uh, so, so he... Oh, that's rough. That's bad. There's no, there's no direct correlation, but around the time he saw that, the guys doing Native Land said, Hey, you want to you wanna be involved with this? 
uh, and Robeson said, yes, and. Yeah. Uh, and he hosted a retrospective of the other documentaries the production company had done on uh, labor movements in the Soviet Union and in China, uh, specifically to raise money for native land. And when they asked him to do the narration, uh, he not only agreed to do it, but he started practicing the narration. Yeah, so that, that, that documentary yeah. was really interesting. That uh, yeah, that making of yeah it was yeah. really fascinating that way. So so yeah, it's like it's again Robeson feeling like uh, his artistic integrity was stolen from him, uh, and then coming back with a a similar idea on a much more him worthy. Uh, right. I mean, let's be clear. Framing, here. yeah. Native native land is pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay. Like it is. It's. I, it scared me because I had just watched. Um, I had just. I you know I didn't watch them back to back, but like two nights in a row, right? I watched um, Proud Valley first, and I was like, man, is this going right. to go the same way as Proud? Because like the opening of Na- Native Land starts very like, like any the first. Amer- the first, the first twenty like, minutes of Native Land has a lot of problems. Yeah, it does. And but I, I I wonder because especially the first five minutes or so where they're describing America. Yeah. Um well number one, it does have I mean, boy man, there are it boy boy does it paint a weird picture of American history. But um specifically one without native peoples. But right. um, what I really love about that, real quick, uh is the real ideological uh, contortion they're doing there because we get a lot of scenes of pristine nature that are underpinned with native-style drumming, and then we never mention any native people. Right. Yeah, I, but now I will say this, and I do, this is not an excuse because no. that is a problem. That is a very serious problem. I will say that I feel like the narration there has to be literally done on purpose to be as much of a counterpoint as humanly possible, right? Right. In the sense that, like, there's a lot of talk about America, building America, and and the sort of stuff that you get in, like, really classic 50s... Right. Right. Like, pro-America newsreel. That whole thing is to draw draw the people who saw DeMille's movie... Into right. a sort of false sense of security. Right, and then just punch him in the face. And, and so, then like, be like, well, hey, by the way, DeMille forgot the last ten years. Here's right. what's been going on, guys. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, and then and then by, by, by you know, taking it further, in a sense, has been going on. You know, it does, the movie does not go this far, but it does invite you to make the conclusion that this has been going on since basically... Yeah. day one in a certain extent right to a certain extent it is a problem that it doesn't mention native peoples but like i'm not sure how especially that opening how they would have worked it in without jarring those people too early right that being said you know it would have been nice had that been a part of later on in the movie because this does the same thing that 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 always happens which is they just are fundamentally don't exist in this movie Straight up. Just right. At right. All. What the movie's trying to do is maybe not something that intellectually works, ultimately. But it's it's doing something that is very similar to things that uh, 
African-American activists have done for the entire history of our country. Um, you know, when uh, MLK said, what we ask of America is to be true to what you said on paper. He's saying uh, we deserve equal rights because the Constitution says we have equal rights. Uh, and uh, as far back and even farther than, say, uh, Douglas, uh, they're making those same same arguments, right? Right. Uh, and what this is saying is, is applying that to a labor argument and saying that uh, unions have a constitutional First Amendment right to exist and pushing back against them is a breach of the Constitution, specifically if the government's doing it, but the government seems to be doing it in, co- in collusion with uh, major corporations, which is even worse, right? Right, and they're, they're trying to make a relatively, in, in that sense, they are trying to make a relatively simple to parse argument, right? By you know, you can, and a relatively centrist argument, honestly, right, right? Like trying to trying to make the argument like nuancing that argument to include the fact that well, private companies, while they don't, well, technically, are able to fight back against that. The, the the sort of the government looking the other way is a violation. You know what I mean? Like that's a weird, boy. That's a complicated movie right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and here we're going to go into a First Amendment lecture, right? For the next forty five minutes, which um, is you know it, it is rhetorically it is a great argument. Practically, it is not so much because as we've dis- discussed before and you know in the origins of this movie of this podcast uh becoming hey let's talk about marxism uh way back with the leopard we started talking about how uh, the the problems aren't the people in power they're the power structures themselves right so yeah. so you need to rework those power structures and the american constitution is one of those power structures right it's not Right. It's not yeah. something that if the right people are in charge of it, we're going to <clears throat> work out to a glorious worker utopia. Uh, something right. that, I, you know, right, every, yeah. it's, it's a document written by a bunch of slaveholders, right? right. <laughs> it's that, a document written, written by a bunch of slaveholders justifying the continuation of slavery, or at least not challenging it at all, and, and in so justifying it. So... Uh, it's got issues from the get-go. Uh, and while it makes a lot of heady promises about equality for all and it being a God-given right uh, and everyone should be able to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, uh, in practice, from the very beginning, that was not true. And right. if it's and, practical and, yeah, definition from the very beginning is not true, then the thing itself has problems. Right, that that's absolutely true. And the reality of the matter is, is that like one one of the greatest problems that America has had is that, and and there's no way to get around this is that we tend to view, especially in modern vision, our you know the Constitution as a as a rigid body. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I I read something a long long time ago. Uh, was a some I think a. British barrister talking about the idea that they see their, you know, their, they don't have a, you know what I mean? Like their documents yeah. as a, a tree that grows and changes and gets reinterpreted. Whereas Americans see it as like a house they built and it will never right. change. I forget exactly what his description was, but it was, it was uh, astonishingly accurate to, right. I mean, 
what I mean to say is, is that, yes, you're absolutely right that that document is fundamentally flawed because from day one, it was the it was essentially the yeah the now the it's, cudgel that was used to beat people down uh, with. It is interesting, uh, and I I will say uh, that uh, within American law that uh, that originalism has been used for good, and and arguments like this movie is making have been used for good. For instance, what immediately pops to mind is that the 1898 court case that decided that the 14th Amendment meant birthright citizenship in America and has become de facto law because of that. Right. Uh, That decision was based on the idea that the generation before those guys who actually decided this, who wrote down the 14th Amendment... They had to have been thinking of English common law, which says that birthright citizenship is a thing. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so they make an originalist argument. Well, but you uh, know, and I get and I get that. Yeah. But the, the 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 flip side of that is, is anything you can get to with originalism can also be got to with progressivism. Like you right. can still get to that. You can get like if you can get there with originalism, Absolutely. you can sure as shit get there with <laughs> right. like right, being right, interpretive, right. right? Like yeah. I don't really care what the guys who wrote the 14th Amendment thought the 14th Amendment meant. I just want to do the right thing. So. Right, and you, and you can build a society that is that. I mean, that is, right. is conceivable. The problem is is that, like, more so is the fact that every power structure that's ever been built based off of that since day one was not that. Right. It was not about building that perfect society. It was not about right. seeing that document and saying, because, like, as a, as a as a going sort of opening statement, that's a pretty decent one, right? Like, right. It's it's pretty pretty wide we, open in terms of like these everybody views being to be self evident that all right. men yeah, are created equal. That's yeah. I mean, great. that's a good that's a good start. And the problem <laughs> is, is that like, but then and then you go home, you write that, and you go home to your slave plantation. That's a problem right, right there. The you guy who wrote right that wasn't just going home to hundred and twenty slaves. He was going home to one particular sixteen year old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. It, that's 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 all a problem. Like that is, right. and that and and then you get into this weird thing is like a thing that is written by a bad person, fundamentally <laughs> right. tainted to its core. And and I don't I don't know the answer to that question. Right. Um. Because in theory, you, we could like I don't know. This is like, you know, if this were a bad science fiction movie, we could we could erase everybody's just reset everybody. And then they would read that, and maybe like they would come out a little bit, like you know, they cook up something a little bit better based off of that. Because again, right. the words themselves, at their heart, are not bad. I will, I will say, I have, uh, I have previously plugged uh, uh, um, Ibram X. Kendi's uh, book, Stamped from the Beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and he has, and he divides it into five sections of U.S. history, each centered around the lives of of a person in that era. Uh, and his section on Thomas Jefferson is is incredibly nuanced and interesting, in which he makes a solid argument that Jefferson may have felt trapped by his own livelihood, uh, and and while he frequently said, "I'd love to end slavery." He never made any means to actually free his own slaves in his lifetime because he was too comfortable, right? He didn't want to, right. he didn't I want mean, to change his livelihood. Yeah. Now, 
Now that that introduces nuance to it. It still makes Jefferson a bad person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, but but it does help people understand, right? Like, right. I mean, you can understand bad people. There's, right. <laughs> there's nothing inherently wrong with right. looking at a bad person and saying, "Yes, I understand why that bad person did his bad stuff." Right. Like that is not a bad. That is not. That is not a terrible position to put yourself in. He thought, um, and, you know, and it's an inherently supremacist argument, but it's it's him specifically thinking that his his comfort was more worthwhile than the comfort of yeah. people he enslaved. So yeah, right, absolutely, and yeah, and and like we'll never know exactly what went on in his mind right. but we right. do have his actions by which to paint right. him and, and we have a lot of letters is, to base that off of too like he was right. bad he did like, a bad thing right <laughs> like problem solved bad guy like right <laughs> just right. like we don't have to it's not a no debate isn't you never ever ever have to have a debate about the quality of person of any person who owns slaves. We just right. never have to have that debate. Turns out they were just bad 0% guys. 0% good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 100% the easiest discussion you could ever have because the answer is always bad. It's yeah. like the same as with Nazis, right? I mean, like you don't have to have that conversation. You can have, you can talk about motivations, you can get into, you can understand. But the reality of the matter is the answer is always bad guy. Yeah. Like... Like you, you, you read those really. You can read those really interesting, um, you know, descriptions and articles that that go into, you know, how normal people became mass murderers. Right? There's a, there was an interesting one that uh, I haven't had a chance to finish, but I started the other day um, that came out recently, and and they're always interesting discussions. But every one of them has to acknowledge in the end, that's a bad guy. Like, right? You're understanding a bad guy. And maybe that was a normal person at one point, but they made decisions that made them a bad guy. And, yeah, I'm okay with that. Jefferson equals bad guy. Right. Um, right. We can all agree, but we can't because the most in America. The most horrible truth in the world is that everybody has their reasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And great. Jefferson had reasons, and they made sense to him. But he yeah. justified doing a horrible atrocity because yeah i mean basically arguably the worst thing you could ever do like right. i mean when we get really down to it like right we're getting down to when we're getting down to fundamentals literally the worst thing you could do right because you're not the line between slaveholder and nazi is invisible <laughs> right like i mean in right. reality you, it, when you start thinking about things the idea that you possess the right to another human being whole cloth Right. Whether that is to murder them or enslave them, you, there there is no line there. That line doesn't right. exist. Right. Every 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 Nazi is as bad as every slaveholder, and every slaveholder is as bad as every Nazi. Right. End of discussion. So to circle back to the actual movies we're talking about this week. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. We have yeah. a podcast that's that's not just us talking <laughs> Since, about slaveholders. Right. My bad. I mean, yeah. Sensibly, uh, the the rhetoric of of much pro labor rights movement uh, has for four centuries, uh, even even while uh, well, I say I was about to say even while legal slavery exists in the U.S., but legal slavery still exists in the U.S. That's the the clause of the Thirteenth Amendment that says, yeah. "Hey, yeah. unless they're convicted of a crime uh, that which we're gonna to, do 
a lot. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna define so many felonies now, guys. <laughs> Something we continue to do to this day. Uh, but uh, but a lot of a lot of problems with leftist politic uh, from Marx onward uh, was viewing everything as class and ignoring racism. Marx had some problems with that himself. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and certainly a lot of people after him did. Um, and they're, you know, especially in America, they go hand in hand. Um, America, you know, capitalism grew up with uh, the African slave trade in the West. And they, that systematic racism goes hand in hand with the growth of capitalism. They are twins. They are born at the same time and they are intertwined. Uh, that is a basic reading of history. And I, I say yeah, basic and, with and all can, the viatrol I can. The West just also. go you read a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but all that to say, uh, the ideas of labor gaining more control over their lives by comparing it to enslavement to corporations is not unfair. Uh, particularly if we're talking about corporations that are using murderous violence to uphold the status quo and to combat against people who want a little more money. Now, the gulf between no money and a little money for pay-in is huge and insurmountable, really. There is a big difference between slavery and poor working conditions. But... There's a lot of times in U.S. history where poor working conditions amounted to slavery. Well, and then and then keep in mind that 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 gulf is from the perspective, it, like you know, this is a weird thing to to talk about now, but that that gulf is more or less from the perspective of the laborer, not from the the from the right. capitalist class, right? That's like, also true. Like from like, there's almost no gulf there for the capitalist class, right? Because in the end, you just want that labor as cheap as you can possibly make it, right? Like, if right. that's free, congratulations, we did it, guys. Uh, if that is as little money as is a human being, less money than a human being can survive on, well, we just got to, you know, that's what we got, right? You know, you know what I mean? Like, that, it is, well, while that is, what you say is 100% true, it is also important to bear in mind that... right. Both of those serve the interests of the capitalist class, which right. is to lower that number to whatever the lowest possible functioning and, number that can be. And all of that can come back to just looking, again, at the history of uh, the civil rights and labor movements in the 20th century and Robeson, Du Bois, du Bois MLK, Malcolm X, all uh, in talking about freeing their people and raising up African Americans and Africans around the world, dark-skinned people around the world, uh, we're talking about it in terms of class struggle, right? Uh, and the because intertwinedness it is, it is, of class is, and race struggle. It, it, well, exactly because you know when again when you deal with capitalism, right? Like you, class and you know race becomes a class, right? Like right. it becomes a. Well, we found this class of workers who we can pay zero to. Right, right. We, right. We've done it, guys. We've we've hit the <laughs> we've hit the jackpot. Right. We can pay this class zero. Yeah. Now, of course, it is 
it is when each of those people uh, landed at communism or socialism or something on that spectrum uh, that the American government said, oh, hold up, guys. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> We're either right. going like, to murder thing, you right? or just keep you from leaving the country. That is... I mean, I'm glad that that case exists in its own weird way. Like, it's always it's really sad to say stuff like that. But, like, you know, because that, that is in many ways a landmark case in the sense that you just can't defining the boundaries of the government, right? And saying, sorry, you can't just take people's passports away. Yeah. Uh, which is a good thing. Right. It's nice to have that one on the books. Right. Like, oh, man. So I, that, I like his argument in the in the in the interview. Yeah, where he's like, "That doesn't make any sense. Like, what if if I can go here, why can't I go over there? Like, why would like?" There's almost this sort of wry humor to that that radio interview because it, right. it has the implication of like, "Why would you want to keep me here?" Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, wait a minute. I thought you guys didn't like me. <laughs> if if uh, you want, right? If you want, like, if you, you want me out of the, the limelight. Why would you make a special point of punishing me? Yeah, not letting me leave the country. It right. Was just, it's a, right. a fascinating interview that way. Yeah. That, that interview, which is on, it's, it's on the DVDs uh, in the box set, uh, is Robeson. Uh, uh, he is promoting his autobiography, um, which is called Here I Stand. Uh, that was published in 1958. The uh, the box set also includes a, a booklet of the film essays, and the final one in it is an excerpt from the uh, from the first chapter of uh, Up Here I Stand, uh, which is very uh, very interesting as well. I'm going to have to find a copy of that book. Yeah, I'm really um, curious about it too. I didn't know yeah. it existed until we got into that interview, and I was like, yeah. oh wow, that. Yeah, It'd be really like, interesting to read. Yeah, this this whole box set has been illuminating in so many ways, and it's, it's great. Uh, also, uh, right before that, uh, the the penultimate uh, thing in the booklet uh, is a handwritten note from Pete Seeger. Uh, apparently, Criterion had asked him to do an essay on his relationship with Robeson for uh, for the box set, um, but this was two thousand six, and Pete Seeger was eighty seven years old. Uh, and still trucking. Pete Seeger was was yeah, yeah was still still doing everything Pete Seeger's ever done. Uh, but he wrote a short note back that says uh, he greatly regrets not being able to uh, because of his age. Uh, but does say Paul Robeson was one of the greatest human beings of all time, and the way he was cut down and his life shortened will go down in history to the shame of the governments of the United States of America. Sincerely, Pete Seeger, and a little picture <laughs> nice. that he drew of a banjo, and it's delightful. Um, but yeah, uh, short and to the point, <laughs> Pete Seeger there. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, any, you know, any longer essay he wrote would have ended with that same sentence. Yeah. So. I mean, it would have been that just expanded basically. Right. I right. mean, he got, he got his point across. Right. Um, the fun thing is, uh, this is, I say fun, but like, it's just a weird thing is that, um, in native land, there's a, there's a song. I can't remember what its name is. But uh, there's a really, really good Pete Seeger version of it out there. Yeah. Um, I forget what the name of the song is. It's the oh, what is it? It's a um, oh man, I can't remember now. It's in it's in Native Land. It's I take it you're not thinking of which side are you on, which is also featured in Native Land very briefly. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, well, I was thinking of which side are you on because I oh, can't right. for the life of me okay. bring that <laughs> to mind. 
Okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great Pete Seeger version out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Pete Seeger does That's not the Pete Seeger version in the movie, no. but no. Uh, there's a very good version of that. Uh, there's also a great song in uh, in Native Land uh, that I'd never heard before uh, called Get Thee Behind Me, Satan, uh, which is which is a... Uh, a, a series of uh, each verse is a different person trying to tempt the uh, the narrator away from the union. Yeah, I know. Uh, I heard, yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just I for me like the 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 which side are you on? I I had heard oh, yeah. it before, but I had not ever gone hunting for it. Oh, uh, which like, side oh. are you on this? When I which went side? hunting for it, I did not realize that Pete Seeger had done a version. Oh of yeah. It. Oh yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Oh, well, that's great. I mean, I'm not surprised because Pete Seeger done, had done had done a version of basically every song <laughs> right. uh, that existed in his lifetime. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it's not super surprising, but yeah, right. Oh man, uh, there's also uh, the original New York Times review of Native Land uh, is phenomenal in its own right, but uh, the uh, the box quote uh, for it manifestively. This is one of the most powerful and disturbing documentary films ever made, and certainly it will provoke much thought and controversy. Writing in May 1942, uh, when the movie came out at its premiere, uh, the movie was suppressed for 20 years after that. <laughs> so, oh my god. At least. <laughs> I mean, they had, I wish it I came could say out I was at a terrible but... time, right? Pearl Harbor... America getting in the war. Right, but that's, I mean, that, you know, man, boy, this is, we gonna, we're going to go in circles on this one. But, like, that's the thing, right? Like, that's that's the excuse, right? That's Right. There's always going and it's, to be and an it's, excuse, and it's, too. All, and it's, all, it's been done a hundred thousand right. times at this point, right? right? It's Now is like, not the time to rock that boat. Well, now right, never because now, because now boat. we're at war with X, like... Yeah. Also, and we aren't even creative about it anymore because it's just we're at war with insert new enemy now. Like right. It's just it's always the same same That's, thing. Somebody somebody posted a couple years ago, uh, last year I'm sh- I'm sure uh, that uh, you know because of nine eleven uh, the current generation of new voters had never existed in a time uh, when America was not at war. Uh, and I immediately pointed out that I have never existed in a time when America was not at war. Uh, some of them were undeclared secret wars, but... Uh, well, and yeah, no, I mean, and a, there a decent, a pretty hefty number of people have been pointing that out for a while, right, is that, like, right. we, have, we, we have never... Yes, no, I think I, I read a thing a while back that the last year of peace for America, like true peace, where we were literally not involved in any conflicts, was like 1954 or something. Or I forget what year it was. Or 1948 or something. I don't even know if 54 was, makes sense. No, 54 doesn't make sense. I think it's 1948 or something like that. It's, yeah. it's just a weird number. It's just one year. It's just a year. Right. It was like, oh, yeah, that was the year, you know, right. Pax America. And then, our, and then after that, we're like, oh, we better bro, we better get on this shit. Like, our parents' uh, holding up our end. It's 1948, yeah. Oh, all those communists are talking again. We better, uh, let's go fight them. Can't talk about yeah, communism I mean, now, guys. Right? We're at like, war. Why would you do that when we're at war? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, yeah, that mean, but that is exactly it, right? That's the whole mm-hmm. thing right there. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, we, you, you and I live, have lived a life where we, you know, we have entered, 
we're in the position where we have spent our entire adult life in a single one of those. Uh, but, yeah. you know, they were, they've been going on not just because, you know, we haven't declared war doesn't mean we're not fighting wars, right? Um, it's, it's all kind of a problem, right? Like, it's... Uh, yeah. Well, now yep. I'm depressed. <laughs> no, I, I'm I don't want to talk anymore, Adam. I'm done. Um, well, don't talk. Just go rewatch that serving scene. Because uh, the, the serving scene from Native Land is, is one of my favorite parts of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything in it is fire, and it's so great. But yeah, this. Uh, Native Land is definitely the superior movie. I mean, obviously they're they're both trying different things, uh, but uh, but goodness, if 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 Native Land isn't isn't my favorite of the duo, uh, Proud oh, Valley, yeah. no, Proud Valley is mean, good in a lot of ways. It would have been a hell of a lot better if uh, it had had its original ending. Um, well, I mean, again, we talked. Yeah, I mean, Proud Valley. If it had its original ending, would have been one of the best, right, like the greatest right. movies I've ever seen. Right. It's just straight up. Like it would, there would be, I would be forced to walk around recommending it to people, essentially nonstop until my death. Um, as it stands, I probably won't recommend it to anybody because, like, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, like that that ending is just so dramatically disappointing for me in just every way. I can't. I I when we got there, I was just like, oh yeah. man, I can't. Yeah. Like, there's even this that the, the the air the atmosphere when they're in that office, like sort of begging to be let to go, like to be allowed. Yeah. It's just it's upsetting. It's like it's just a really deeply. I mean, I I almost can't even. It's almost hard for me to comprehend that people of the time. I mean, I understand war effort and all that jazz, but like for real, like I can't believe people watch that and weren't just demonstrably upset yeah now as a vehicle for ropes in and as a vehicle for a well-crafted uh fairly presented non-stereotypical african-american starring role proud valley still works that's great yeah for sure i mean that that's definitely true but like he had to have been disappointed too i mean oh yeah definitely Like, that just, you know, as we talked about, that doesn't meet his, that doesn't meet what he wants to accomplish with yeah. these sorts of things. And, and that is itself a disappointing thing. But, yeah, absolutely. As as far as roles go, yeah, like, that's, it, it is Phenomenal a very for good him. one, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a. And phenomenal it, it shows for you presentation the difference of between American where roles. American yeah. and, and British oh, yeah, cinema definitely. were at the time. Right, right, uh, right Pretty right. dramatically. Um, also, an interesting fact on Proud Valley, now, apropos of nothing else, uh, it premiered on the radio. What's the first film to premiere on the radio? Wait. A, a one-hour-long I... edit of it uh, was broadcast on BBC Home Service a week before I'm... its London release of I'm the film. I'm trying to, like, mentally figure out, like, would that, how, I mean, I guess, like, if you think can... about it, the dialogue's pretty, like, pretty well written in the sense right. of... Like it's got everything you need the plot, in the right? dialogue, yeah. Right. Like yeah. so, yeah. And and you can you can start to think of what half hour got cut too. So, right. yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's an interesting side note of history. I don't know if uh, if that recording actually exists, uh, but uh, 
that's not on the DVDs if it does, uh, which is weird because that seems like the sort of criteria, sort of thing Criterion would have would have shoved on there. But right, but yeah, of the two films, Native Land definitely better, and I have I have already recommended Native Land to people. Uh, yeah, I mean it, that, which yeah. is very reasonable. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it's pretty good. Like and again, it it's like it's clunky. At times, yeah, like real clunky, an entire but, narrative uh, of American yeah. history that never mentions Native Americans, but you know, um, arguably normal for the time too, right? Which also does not make it good, uh, right? Yep, we 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 we've stated the rules on that, which are that is still bad. That is very bad, <laughs> right? But um, right. yeah, yeah. If, if you if you if you told me to pick one, I I know which one I'd pick. So. This week we've been finishing up the Paul Robeson Portraits of an Artist box set um, with this week the Citizen citizen of the World, the Proud Valley, and Native Land. Uh, next week uh, we will be talking about uh, one of the films I think you think about the Criterion Collection when you think about... Uh, Wait, what? Yeah, Vittoria de Sica. I, mean, I know where you were going, yeah. but man, that was a weird That was sentence. a clunky sentence. Vittorio De Sica's Bicycle Thieves, uh, one of the classics of oh, uh, right, yeah. of Italian uh, neorealism. Uh, so, yeah, uh, definitely a. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've never seen it. I, I'm I'm excited because I you know I've been hearing about it since essentially the first time I ever somebody ever mentioned classic cinema to right, me. And, right. Right. Never actually watched it. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of interesting that Criterion has has got us uh, nearly four hundred titles in before uh, before showing us bicycle. Well, it, it just goes to show you that, as far as I can tell, there's zero rhyme or reason to the placement of movies right. inside of this collection. Absolutely, uh, except for some sort of possible future prescient understanding that we were going to do this, so they would do weird shit that would make it really hard for <laughs> just us. Just punish us. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Basically, yeah. So, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed this Paul Robeson box set as much as we have. Uh, it's great. There's so many phenomenal movies in it. It's, is it a, is really good. Like, I mean, of the ones that you've had to buy, yeah. I think this was a <laughs> good so, investment. Yes, I'm very happy to open this already. Uh, yeah. But yeah, next week we'll be talking about The Bicycle Thieves. So thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Leon Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oitari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye.
You've been listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Hoatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Haidt does the music. Check him out at JonathanHaidt.Bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.